0: Hello, I'm Amy Day. You're listening to MEND, Life at the Scenes. This is where we meet inside the broken places. That intersection of what is lacking and what we have to give. Inside this space, we gather with ordinary people, parents, poets, permaculturists, pot farmers, travelers, teachers, technopreneurs, artists, and activists people from all walks of life, who are taking root at the margins, who are daring to do the brave and audacious work of mending what is broken in this world. Those who have chosen to step into the gap, so to speak, to leverage whatever skills and vision they possess to chart a new way forward for the betterment of us all. And those who are calling us to do the same, This might just be your clarion call, to take the thread that you carry, the one that's a piece of a much larger tapestry, and to weave a different story than the one you've been handed. So welcome to MEND. Well, welcome back, everyone, including me. Um, it's been a minute here, so um, yeah, happy spring to all of you. Um, I had my to-do list this week that I sat down in front of. I like to make um, kind of a, you know sit-down every week, and I sit down and I look at everything, everything. And this is from like, you know, buy paper towels, um, (laughs) feed the cat. Maybe not feed the cat. I can remember to do that on my own. But um, I like to make my list at the beginning of the week, right? And here's everything that needs to happen. Um, And a podcast episode was on that list. And it was one of those things that I was like, oh, man. Ah, uh, it's been so long. <laughs> I don't know if I've got it in me anymore, but I'm hoping it's kind of like riding a bike. So, um, yeah, thank you all for for continuing to be here and for tuning in. I'm happy to be back in this forum and this uh, conversation with all of you. Um, so I wanted to just kind of drop in today. It's going to be just me on the podcast today. Um, and I wanted to just talk a little bit about... Um, our why, I guess, is kind of a big thing that I wanted to talk about today. Um, one thing that comes up for me a lot—I um, was sharing this with a group of women who um, I call my my wolf pack, who I kind of, you know, share all sorts of really deep, um, <laughs> truthful, vulnerable moments with—who um, really help to kind of keep me. Um, in possession of my, my sense of hope and buoyancy and solvency in the world. And so one thing I was sharing with um, these, these wonderful women in my world um, a month or so ago was just that I am someone who needs to be deeply rooted in my why. Um, it is not enough to just do the things that need to be done, right? As much as I'd like to make my lists, I need my lists, right? Um, everything from, you know, taking the kid to ballet, to rolling out my own yoga mat, to making this podcast, to, you know, making the dinners. Like, pretty much every little bit of minutia, everything that I do, I need it to be tied deeply to a larger why, Um, Otherwise, I can get stuck in this feeling of what is the fucking point, right? Um, I need to understand that my life and the details and the things that I choose to immerse myself in and give my energy to, I need to understand, Um, even if I don't understand it from moment to moment, right? I need to have those moments, those seasons, those counterpoints, those still points of reflection where I regroup, right? And I remember why the hell it is that I'm doing what I'm doing, that it serves a larger purpose that is tied to a deeper meaning and a deeper yes for me. Um, It's not enough for me to just go through the motions, right? Um, And I'm sure you can relate to this. So I'm going to go into just a little bit um, kind of centering the why of this podcast and this is as much for me as it is for you. I was just noticing, um, for a while, I would, you know, go through the process, and it's, and, you know, it's a process to put together this this platform, and it's, you know, it's reaching out to potential guests and scheduling, and it's, you know, doing all my background information to make sure that I can come as an interviewer, as a speaker, you know, as a facilitator, whatever this this as a host to this platform because um, I want to hold space in a meaningful way, right? I want to ask questions that are going to elicit meaningful responses. I want to provide you, my beautiful community, with conversations that are are useful to you. I know that you are out there in the world doing important work through your relationships, through your community, through the way you show up in the day-to-day. And if you're taking time out of your day or incorporating this This messaging, these stories into your day, my hope, my why is always that you are being given information, insights, inspiration, right? That you are getting your cup filled in a way that helps you to show up more powerfully in the world. Yeah. And so I was just noticing as I was going through the motions of planning the last few episodes, I was just noticing a certain lack of energy, just a kind of a certain lack of go, if you will. and I, it always tells me that that's, that's something I, I need to re-clarify my why, right? I need to understand what is the bigger picture? How is this serving um my purpose in the world, you know, the work that I feel called to do, how is it in alignment with that? How is it serving, you know, um, my family, right? You take time away from your family and your partner to do something. You want to make sure that in the end you're coming back to them more full, more aligned, more radiant, more vital than you were before that, that given commitment. Um, And so I was just feeling my energy waning. And so I knew that it was time to step back for a minute. I needed to take an unscheduled break and just get really, really clear. I needed to take naps. I needed to do a little bit of traveling. I needed to have some analog time with my family. Um, And I needed to do a little bit of reflection as to kind of just scanning the landscape, if you will, right? What has the journey of this podcast been thus far? What was the larger vision and purpose? And where do I want to take it next now that it's been handed to me, now that this is this fledgling creation right that Annie and I birthed together and now it's just been placed in my hands and I can do anything I want with this what is that gonna be and what is that gonna look like so um, I'm gonna dip in here just to a little bit of a a talk that I gave recently locally Um, I'm just gonna give a little bit of information here so um, a couple of months ago um, I was given the opportunity to to give a talk at our local Unitarian Universalist Fellowship, um, and so this is a place that and a community of people that has um, over the course of the past year or so has become incredibly near and dear to my heart. This came out of you know the side lane completely caught me unawares. This was not I was not planning on joining any type of religious or <laughs> community of faith. Um, I was not. It was not on my radar. It was not something I was seeking. Um, but about a year ago, at the behest of again one of my dear friends, um, my family and I decided to go and try a service there. And and if you've listened to you know this podcast for any length of time, you know I have a wound where it comes to um, to faith and God and communities of religion and even you know just you know even the the yoga community right i have some some stuff some baggage there um and so i was hesitant to go into this um this room right that's still even though there's you know there's beautiful oil paintings of redwoods at the front of the sanctuary instead of a cross right um, and you've got people of all genders and all sexual preferences and um, various ages and backgrounds and, you know, it, it, already it looked a lot more welcoming, but still it feels very much like a, a church, right? <laughs> um, so I was hesitant. Um, but I can attest to after the first week or two of sitting there inside of that service and inside of the work and it just... There was a healing that took place, and I'm going to sound so born again right now, <laughs> but so be it. There was, my first time sitting in this congregation, I I, I had tears springing to my eyes involuntarily. Um and it was because there was there was a healing taking place there in a place that i didn't even know i needed it you know when i left my my family of origin my home i was 16 years old right and a lot of it had to do with the fact that my parents told me this is the this is the way to do it it's not just our way it's god's way and if you refuse to do it this way this narrow narrow corridor of belief and action and work and presence in the world right um you can leave. And so I did. I took them up on that offer and I left my home, my family, my parents, and my my the faith in which I was raised at the age of 16. Um, and I just assumed that that part of my life was gone, that I wouldn't be getting back to that, um, that I was going to have to carve out some kind of other, you know, scrappy, heathen <laughs> um, existence that had nothing to do with God, that had nothing to do with, um, the divine, any of that, because I was walking away from that. And so this community has been hugely pivotal in showing me that there is another way, right? It doesn't just have to be, um, that God is so much bigger, right? And we can be, um, in the realm of the spirit, right? one of my big, my things with yoga, right? Is like that you're so big into, uh, oftentimes just even the appearance of spiritual practice. We do so much inner work, and it very rarely corresponds to outer work. You know, my, my issues with traditional religion is um, it's not inclusive, right? And be, and I don't believe in a God <laughs> that doesn't want everybody, all of her, his, <laughs> their children to be welcome um, at the table. And so these two things, right, inclusivity and um activism right taking our spirituality and moving it out into the world these are the two things that even though i couldn't quite put words to it i knew that i wanted and i wasn't interested in anything else and so so i just i guess a big you know shout out in this moment to that community uh, the local unitarian uh, universalist fellowship just the um because i i found something i didn't even know i was looking for so yeah an engaged spirituality where everyone is welcome at the table. So fast track a little bit after about six months or so of attending. So the way they run these services, um, this, uh, they have a, an ordained minister within the Unitarian faith, right? Um, which is a super duper progressive faith open to pretty much anyone who believes anything and just wants to, um, find tools and community to deepen their spiritual practice. I'm just giving a big plug apparently for Huff today, H-U-U-F, which is fine. They do great work. And yeah, so on the other two services each month, they allow and invite community members Um, from all walks of life to come and give a talk or give a sermon, if you want to call it that. I mean, it's essentially what it boils down to. And so I was invited to give one of these talks. And each month there's a theme and they... Um, give you all sorts of resources, give you all sorts of ideas, and, and it's really open ended, you know. So it's like here's the general idea, here's the um, you know, the thing, the idea, the quality, the intention. We would want to invite our community to kind of drop into and contemplate and investigate um, for themselves. And so this was back in the month of February, and for February it was the uh, the theme, the month of trust. And so. I sat with this. I, I did a lot of uh, thinking out loud in my car, which is a place I get a lot of my good ideas. If you ever pass me on the freeway, I kind of look a little nutty because oftentimes I am staring off into the distance and speaking loudly into the void, um, and that's kind of how I work out my my ideas and my <laughs> synthesize my world a bit. Um, so yeah so this is going to be from that talk and this is just um looking at where we've been looking at the ideas and some of the concepts that we've uncovered and unearthed and using that as a springboard for where we want to go because like i said mend to my mind is about giving us the tools, inspiration, and community that we need. We are here to serve. We are here to do the mending, right, that is so needed. And it doesn't have to look like anything... huge, right? You know, many of us are not, most of us are not going to run for office. Most of us are not going to, you know, invent a new technology that's going to clean all the, you know, the plastics out of the world's oceans. Most of us are not going to be huge, torch-bearing, you know, uh, megaphone-wielding front runners. You know, we may not have monuments built Um, after us, but that doesn't mean that we, in the ways that we choose to show up in our day-to-day as parents, partners, community members, healers, care providers, sisters, brothers, you name it, right, bloggers, whatever it is that we're doing, we can be a piece of that mending, and we need to remember that we hold an integral thread, and we need to tend it, and we need to weave it skillfully and be reminded that we are not alone, right, right? and that we do this work together. So I present to you this talk that I gave at the Humboldt Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. I hope you enjoy. Before we start the show, I just wanted to go ahead and just drop this here um, in case you're at a place in your own life where you could just use a little bit of support. Um, I currently, if you're listening to this in in present time in spring 2019, at the moment I have two openings for private coaching um, and this typically looks like um, you and I spending about three months together. I find this is typically what it takes to kind of get things into motion to plant a pretty um you know a deep seed for your own transformation um six sessions over the course of three months um, where i provide you with a lot of support and resources and tools um to help you on your particular journey and right now i've been working mostly in two modalities and one um, is kind of self-care for caregivers if you will Um, i come along as a support system for your own self-care and wellness needs um, I bring my yogi hat and my herbalist hat and my um, all the holistic tools that I've been collecting and practices that I have uh, road tested, if you will, <laughs> on for, for size. Um, so that you um, can kind of build those into your own rhythm. So this is it for you if you are feeling just kind of run down and ragged from doing the work of your life, right? You have been parenting, partnering, working, protesting, striving, and serving in a really powerful way on behalf of others, and I applaud you, Um, but you've left little room for yourself inside that equation, right? And maybe you're feeling depleted, cut off, worn down, my work is to come and help you press the reset button. So we'll look at modalities of movement, um, bring in tools of mindfulness, compassion. Um, We'll work slow and build up to something that's really sustainable and achievable. Uh, We'll bring in herbal allies and food allies, and we will find ways to bring added vitality, energy, and joy, really, back into your world once more. So if you think about it, that you are the primary resource, right, that keeps all of the wonderful things of your life in motion. This is the work of renewing you, that precious resource, so that you can show up more fully in this life once more. Um, If this rings a bell or resonates with you, you can go ahead and check out that work at theworkofthesehands.com. Just click on Offerings to see more and the second modality that i like to work in um i'm a trained theater artist i'm a writer so i'm really really um the creative world is my is my bag yeah (laughs) the healing and creative realms those are where i i am at my my happiest and my strongest so i also work as a creative coach and so this is for the blocked or stuck creative um This is really great work for business owners, writers, would-be creators, would-be podcasters. Um, If you have a brilliant idea for a book, a project, or just a new direction that you wanna take in your life or your work, but you're struggling to make all the pieces come together, um, maybe you're the type of person, right? Most of us creatives are that you have no shortage of ideas. You know, you have an entire cloud, a planet of ideas hanging up above your head, right? But you can't quite figure out how to put them in emotion. Um, my work is to, to help you create a reliable, sustainable and pleasurable way of stepping into your calling. I can help you prioritize your heart's work. So This is um, where we come in we set up a rhythm where you can attend daily to this. We develop rituals. uh, We build community to help support you in that work. Um, And we break this big dream that you have, right, down into smaller, achievable steps to get you there. Um, And again, if this is resonating, I want to just urge you to go on over to theworkofthesehands.com. Again, click on offerings, and you'll see some work for one-on-one there. Uh, There'll be a link, and you can schedule a free call with me to see if we'd be a good fit. Um, Yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. And now, the show. Back in early 2017, a fellow writer friend and I, Miss Annie Fricky, launched this tiny little podcast. We called it back then simply MEND, Life at the Seams. In our first season, we wanted to document the stories of the early pioneers of the modern day cannabis industry. We wanted to talk to the original Back to the Landers who moved up into the hills of Humboldt as a way to create their own life and livelihood away from the dominant culture. As you can recall, possibly, we talked to midwives, anthropologists, farmers, activists, herbalists, entrepreneurs, and some of the folks helping to write the current policies. And the story that we wanted to share, if you can recall, was that of individuals striving to create a culture that was different and better than the one that they had known, Over the course of 23 interviews, we felt like we had begun to at least paint a small portrait of an idyllic and forgotten landscape before it exploded into the current one that we all know. And if you go back and listen to that season one, you'll see that it's an incomplete story. There were many people we didn't get to hear from indigenous or native peoples. We reached out to them, but there wasn't really an opportunity. Um, There was a lot more that we could have gotten into. Um, But the story we really wanted to tell was that uh, how do we reconnect to those initial values that we started off with, right? Things like community, voluntary simplicity, um, living in a way that is harmonious um, to uh, the land and with each other, right? Making a living versus making a killing. We all know how the current model of um, big ag marrying up with ganja is turning out and it's not looking good for the family farmer it's not looking good for those of us who feel called to live simply and harmoniously upon the land right it's going in a completely different direction and my heart goes to the people that are still trying to preserve this way of life i have a feeling it's going to have to come about in a way other than cannabis um you know just because that was the thing that kind of got us here i have a feeling it may not be the ticket that we need to ride out of here But that's a story for a different day. Um, So if you go back and listen to season one, you'll hear a little bit more about uh, what we wanted to unearth inside of that and kind of the ethos that we were pressing towards. So in season two, um, we were done. <laughs> we were done talking about weed, right? We'd had, we had kind of traversed as much of those waters as we cared to, although for you know several months after that initial season, we would get several queries about who wanted us to keep having that conversation. And there's some great resources out there for that conversation. you should go check them out. We wanted to shift our attention into a different framework. Um, because cannabis, as you know, was never the initial impetus that got us talking. It was just happened to be kind of the medium through which these ideas could be expressed. So we shifted our attention in season two um, to this idea put forth by Ethan Rowland of Appleseed Permaculture, um, to the Eight Forms of Capital. And I'm just going to go through those um, really quickly. Again, you can go back and look at season two and get kind of a, a sense of what those are. Um, but they're useful f- um ideas and so I always like to kind of return to these when I can just to kind of reframe if I find myself in this place of lack or scarcity um, or feeling like I don't have enough um, I need to remember that I'm operating and I've been conditioned by patriarchy and capitalism and industry and white supremacy and these are some of the things this is the, the soup that we're swimming in the toxic sludge right and so is that, the, is that really the truth? Am I really, do I not have enough? Or is it just that I, my, my thinking is is not in alignment and that I'm subscribing to the the ideas of the, the dominant culture? And so this, for me, is a really great kind of mental rinse cycle, if you will, to reframe my own existence and my own sense of value and worth and purpose in the world. And hopefully um, these conversations that we had in season two and just this this framework right here um, is that for you as well? So we went through these one by one. Um, first thing, social capital, right? It's that sh- cup of sugar capital. It's the um, your your reputation. It's the the it's the help out the neighbor, build the barn, uh, housewarming. Um, you Sure, I'll watch your kid while you go to the store. You know, lend a hand, right? Type capital, and this is the thing that can, tends to come back in. Um, in excess, we give a little and we tend to get a lot back in return. Um, and it's, and it, and within this system, it's a form of wealth. Yeah. Um, material just refers to the things that we have and not just, right. It's useful to have tools. It's useful to have machinery, buildings, tools, technology. Um, and just remember that just having raw materials can in and of itself be a form of wealth and a form of usefulness. Financial, um, after all, there's value in money. It is, as, as Roland says, quote, our primary tool for exchanging goods and services with other humans. It can be a powerful tool for oppression, as we know, or potentially liberation. So just looking at those different ways we interact with money. Um, and if you go back, we had two really wonderful interviews, um, one with um, financial therapist Barry Tesler, who does some really, really wonderful um deep work around, um, our relationship with money and with a local resident fire Phoenix, who was the, um, harbinger for our own, um, no longer in existence, but still super beautiful project to check out our own local, um, I can't think of the word (laughs) current community currency. Um, So yeah, go back and listen to those. I don't have the numbers on hand, but if you go back and look at season two for um, financial capital, there's some really great talks there. Living capital, um, because as we know, stocks and bonds and cryptocurrency do us little good if we have impoverished the natural world. So living capital, things like animals, plants, water, soil, um, the true basis for life on this planet. Um, And among this, especially coming from my own kind of holistic you know, yogi, herbalist coaching perspective I like to always think of our own physical health and sense of well-being and vitality as well and again and you know as anyone who's ever dealt with chronic illness or chronic pain can attest to health right (laughs) and the health of the the local environment that's that's a real form of wealth intellectual capital where we value education and understanding and learning in its own right experiential capital and then Annie I was debated is it experiential is it experiential which just sounds nerdy and wrong to me so I don't know you guys weigh in what is it (laughs) I'm going to say experiential and probably be wrong but I'm okay with that so this is where we go and we actually implement these ideas and principles um gaining experience right just actually rolling up our sleeves putting some elbow grease put some back into it and getting some experiences out in the world involving ourselves in our communities working collaboratively creating things of deep and pragmatic value for the larger world around us and this again um you know they often say that we we teach what we need to learn this is a big one for me because i was raised in a family that deeply valued intellectual capital Books, you know, to this day, you know, my family has no problem walking, my family of origin has no problem walking into a bookstore and just dropping a bill, you know, just on a random Tuesday afternoon on a bunch of books. Um, As my husband can attest to, you know, my bookshelves are, I'm not allowed to buy anymore because (laughs) I've filled all the available bookshelves. He doesn't read books. I read books. And so there's stacks of them. um, And I alone have filled these shelves. Um, So I know what it is to really value learning for its own sake. But this idea of experiential or experiential capital, right? This is where we put these ideas into practice. And so I need reminding um, that this, it does us very little value, right? If it just stays locked up in our heads and we just, you know, theorize and postulate, we need to bring these ideas out into the world and see them live. Okay. Moving on, uh, we came to cultural capital. And if you, again, scroll back to season two, I was just looking. There was this beautiful interview that we got to have with Lila June, who is a um, Native American uh, performance poet, writer, speaker, Um uh, advocate just a, a beautiful powerful powerful person and i'm so grateful that we got to have some time with her um and we get to and she comes from two lineages she has european ancestry and um, uh, native american as well and so i just i urge you to go back and listen to that conversation as well if you have the time and finally um spiritual capital That acknowledges the wealth we experience when we can connect to silence, to source, to some image or felt knowledge of the divine, of the sublime, bowing to the fact that yes, one can be rich in many ways, financially, materially, what have you, but also be impoverished as well if we have not invested in the realm of the spirit, the communal, and the life of the whole. And honestly, there wasn't a more perfect way we could have ended that conversation that season. Um, We had a beautiful conversation with Carolyn Baker, who does a lot of work. Her work is primarily centered around industrial collapse. And it's not about solving it. It's not about finding technologies that are going to save us from ourselves. It's about getting really, really present in real time and developing the spiritual, emotional, communal resiliency that we need in order to, live and even thrive as she says in challenging times so again I urge you if you feel at all led to go back and take a peek at season two and see what we've got there and so why did we do this right beyond just moving beyond the pot conversation which is limited (laughs) um, we wanted to dive into these stories as a counterpoint we saw how a self-professed counterculture that of the cannabis industry, right, eventually came to mimic many of the same toxic systems and ideas that dominated the culture they sought to leave behind. Um, We see this happen again and again, right? If we don't examine the values of normal, mainstream, dominant culture that we ourselves carry, we are doomed to repeat them. It doesn't matter, I don't think, what we do. We can take up farming. We can take up yoga-ing. We can take up sitting on a mountaintop, right? We can go off and try to do the most blissful, eco-groovy, spiritually aligned thing possible. But until we have examined what aspects of dominant patriarchal capitalist white supremacist culture we are still carrying with us and how those play out in our day-to-day lives beliefs how we interact with the world around us we are going to repeat them even in this new pristine setting right and i think we've seen that again and again um so we wanted to look at um beyond this right we saw how within this culture that sought to live simply money had ultimately become the, the largest good, you know, the ultimate good. We wanted to re-expand our ideas of wealth. Um, in a day and age where, according to inequality.org, and just a little sidebar here, so I, I, inequality.org was a resource that came when I started looking into um, uh, the, in a, the distribution of wealth worldwide. One of the first things that came up in SEO, right, And so what was really cool about giving this talk at the fellowship that day, I mentioned this statistic, I quoted where I got it from, because you should always, you know, share your sources. And it so happened that the gentleman who, um, who authored, who created this site happened to be in attendance that morning. And so I just thought that was, so you never know when you're, when you, when you do work that you care about, right. And you seek out sources and allies, um, it may create more connections than you, you had initially intended. So sidebar over. I just wanted to mention that cool little fact. So according to inequality.org, and I quote, right now the world's richest 1%, those with more than $1 million, own 45% of the world's wealth. And adults with less than $10,000 in wealth make up 64% of the world's population but hold less than 2% of global wealth. End quote. And so with this season two idea, we wanted to be this small voice, right, to remind people that they have more riches at their fingertips than they have been conditioned to believe. We wanted to stand in the gap and say to that 64%. And I just want to break this down a bit um, because particular to our country, and again, I'll quote from inequality.org. Thank you. Uh, the billionaires who make up the Forbes 400 list of richest Americans now have as much wealth as all African-American households plus one-third of America's Latino population combined. In other words, just 400 extremely wealthy individuals have as much wealth as 16 million African-American households and 5 million Latino households, end quote. And so we wanted to say to this group of people, as well as our local group of people who are struggling that has been systematically shut off from building financial wealth and resources for themselves and their families, we wanted to say to them that you are not broken. You are not less than. We wanted to remind them that you have wealth and resources and abundance that are yours innately and that cannot be taken from you. And although this system is rigged against you, you Ultimately, get to determine your own worth and value in this world. So, that's the message ultimately that we wanted to share in season two. So, this past season, Um, As you know, Annie's busy. (laughs) She's doing all sorts of wonderful things. She wrote, uh, she had a novel that she had written that she's sharing, uh, The Orchard's Descendant. And you should go check it out. It's on Amazon. You can buy it there. Um, She has her own beautiful podcast, Walking with Freya, about working with... um, Um, parenting children with special needs and again little plug go check it out it's beautiful she has so many resources and stories and a beautiful community she's building there she has a workbook um, for parents um, working with children of special needs parents and caregivers that she's putting together Um, there is joy to be found here and pardon me annie if i'm not getting the title exactly right so go over anniefricky.com check her out she's doing amazing things she don't need me no more. So I have been given this opportunity to, um, to do things on my own. And I'm figuring it out, I think. <laughs> I had to get quiet. I had to see, right, again, that why, that overarching message and theme and story that I wanted to share with you all. And so it just brought me back to the origin, right? When we first envisioned this concept of mend, we envisioned a tapestry, and right, you can go onto our website, and you can see there's this beautiful fraying Guatemalan tapestry that came from when Annie was visiting down there. And she took this photograph. And, and we put that up on our website. And it's because this is what we see when we talk about MEND and this platform. Something vibrant and huge and, yes, fraying and unraveling a bit inside some parts, but a vast tapestry, a vast and vibrant tapestry nonetheless. Right? In part, maybe this vision was fueled somewhat maybe, by my own studies in the yoga world, right? So in yoga, there's this term in Sanskrit, tantra, that describes reality as a loom or a weaving, right? Um, Disparate beliefs, practices, people's actions and ideas, right? It's not just any one thing that's creating this reality. Nature weaves its own line, its own through line. And then we, its inhabitants, come through and we weave our own lines. And together, these form what we experience, this life, this thing that we're co-creating together. Um, And the vision for the podcast, right, was this, that yes, the tapestry, this big cosmic web we're weaving, shit is fucking broken, right? It is torn. (laughs) But it is woven of you and me. And each of us holds a powerful and vital thread to the mending of this vast and cosmic web. And so... As I move forward with this humble project, as I look to my own why, right? As I try to sift through what comes next and what this project is supposed to look like, this is the vision that I have to hold to. In my own life, I, I have a very humble thread, right? I'm, I'm a writer, but I don't have any published books to my name, right? <laughs> Um, a few blog posts here and there, a few things that i've I've thrown out into the ether that sometimes people write back. I have a little newsletter, right that I put out. Um, you know, used to be a couple times a month. It hasn't happened in a while. so I'm sorry to my newsletter folks. Um, I'm coming back to that soon, I promise. Um, and so maybe a hundred or so people read that and and they they whether I send out my thoughts and my prayers, right? And oftentimes one or two people they write me back. And they let me know that my words have aided them, that they've helped them as parents or teachers or someone moving through difficulty um, or struggling to find the meaning or the light inside the season they're in inside this life. And that's when I know that my small, humble thread has been of service. As you know, I am a mother to one single human um, if you don't count the other kiddos at the property I live at that call me Mama Amy from time to time. <laughs> and I do this task. I'll let it be said, I, I do it poorly at times. I have so much to learn, but I love my child fiercely. and I offer what I have in terms of time, affection, attention, presence every single day. And she's, you know, she's not a virtuosic, anything at this moment in time but what i can see is that she's happy and kind and helpful and confident and she she adds to the beauty of this world if i do say so myself and and i know that in some small way i'm helping to make that possible and right sometimes i teach a yoga class um, and i can't assign a fiscal value to that, you know, when I get just a handful of people and I don't have much money to show for my time because then I realize I'm making well below minimum wage and that thought bums me out, <laughs> but, but I also get to see the ease and the joy and the buoyancy that I help these handful of people come to in their own bodies and I know that that's going to serve them and inside of that maybe they'll be kinder to their partner. Maybe they'll eat better food and not throw money at Monsanto or, or the big chemical companies that are poisoning the earth. Maybe they'll find some new way to show up in this world. Maybe the hour they spent with me helped make that possible. And maybe the healers and the teachers, you know, all of you that I connect with um, will realize just through these tiny little threads that I throw out there, right, how invaluable um, you are even if you're not currently being compensated for your gifts. Maybe you will hear these words and find grace inside the moment and help others transition through this life with that same sense of divine assistance and care. Maybe. So my point is, and what I want to weave back to, if you'll pardon the pun, is that we really don't know the eventual impact of sharing our unique gifts and light and thread with this world. And just to exemplify and string along that point a little bit more, um, come with me down this road. Um, Terenna Burke, right, was a poor black girl from the Bronx who suffered sexual violence. And in her work with young girls who had survived a similar fate, she came up with this phrase, me too. Because she realized that just by speaking these simple words, she could give comfort, recognition, solidarity, support to the silent sufferers in her world. We all know how this little thread kept spinning, right? Into a hashtag, into a movement, into a global conversation that is even now working to fight injustice and create empowerment and support for the victims of sexual violence. Another point in case, again, how we just don't know how these threads are going to spin into the larger web. In 2013, three single female organizers, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi created a black-centered political will, and movement building project in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer, George Zimmerman. And we know what they called their movement, right? Black Lives Matter, which is now a member-led global network of more than 40 chapters. And as the late beloved Mary Oliver tells us, right, in her poem, The Wild Geese, this is not about being good. This is not about being repentant or large or small, but about trusting your unique place in the family of things great complex tapestries begin with the willful offering of a single determined thread and so i'll end with this in my own upbringing right back in that tiny church where i was reared um, i was raised With this idea of the body of Christ. This is something that happens within many evangelical circles, and we talk about the church, right, being the larger body of Christ. We're told on Sundays that we, um, you know, as believers, we were the body of the divine here on earth. We were the instruments of the same source that powered galaxies and redwood forests and tsunamis and orgasms and birth. Um, We were told that we each get to play a part that maybe it's not to us to understand that part or even choose it, right? In this body, we don't get to choose whether we show up as an elbow, right, or an ear or a shoulder or a foot, right? <laughs> but the part that we play is vital and integral to the whole. I always taught that we express the light and the love and power and magnificence of the divine through the humble actions of our every day that great cosmic shifts come into being because of our daily work, interaction, our play. I mean, damn, we created climate change, right? <laughs> so what would happen if we intentionally spun things in a different way? So the thing I want to leave you with here, as we move into this Last little bit of season three, before we break for the summer, before we go get some adventures in us, before we go have some much-needed downtime and play and frivolity and light, I want to remind you, remind all of us, remind myself even, that your thread matters. My tiny thread matters. It is not to us to decide how grand a thing that they will weave, it is to us to keep weaving. If we are broken apart by what is happening in the world, if we are angry, if we are tired, if we are pissed off, if we are mournful, that is our call, right? We are being called to step into the broken places. And it doesn't matter that we don't have the right titles. It doesn't matter that we don't feel we have ample training. We have unique Gifts that we carry. We each have a unique thread. And so moving forward inside this season over the next few talks, I'm just going to be bringing you things along this same direction. Reminders, right, of the gifts that you carry and how valuable they are. I'll have a few more interviews to share. I'm not sure what the rest of this season will hold. I'm going to let that kind of be spun as it needs to be. But my hope, dear, dear one, is that by tuning in, by listening, you will be reminded of just how very valuable your place in this world is, that you will continue to show up, hone and honor your gifts, bring your fullness to the world that is so hungry for what you have to give. Thanks for being here. From the poet, Khalil Gibran. You work that you may keep pace with the earth and the soul of the earth. For to be idle is to become a stranger unto the seasons and to step out of life's procession that marches in majesty and proud submission towards the infinite. When you work, you are a flute through whose heart the whispering of the hours turns to music. Which of you would be a reed, dumb and silent, when all else sings together in unison? Always you have been told that work is a curse and labor a misfortune. But I say to you that when you work, you fulfill a part of Earth's furthest dream, assigned to you when that dream was born. And in keeping yourself with labor, you are, in truth, loving life. And to love life through labor is to be intimate with life's innermost secret. But if you, in your pain, call birth an affliction, and the support of the flesh a curse written upon your brow, then I answer that not but the sweat of your brow shall wash away that which is written. You've been told that life is darkness, and in your weariness, you echo what was said by the weary. And I say that life is indeed darkness, save when there is urge. And all urge is blind, save when there is knowledge. And all knowledge is vain, save when there is work. And all work is empty, save when there is love. And when you work with love, You bind yourself to yourself and to one another and to God. And what is it to work with love? It is to weave the cloth with threads drawn from your heart, even as if your beloved were to wear that cloth. It is to build a house with affection, even as if your beloved were to dwell in that house. It is to sow seeds with tenderness and reap the harvest with joy, even as if your beloved were to eat the fruit. It is to charge all things you fashion with the breath of your own spirit and to know that all the blessed dead are standing about you and watching. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to another episode of MEND. Um, I'm your host, Amy Day, yogi, coach, changemaker. Um, and I would love to hear from you. If this has touched you in any way, please make sure to scoot on over and drop me a line. Uh, just let me know how this has landed with you uh, and what you'd like to hear, what inspires you, what helps you along your path. You can drop me a line or a comment at mendpodcast at gmail.com. I check that frequently, and I would be delighted to hear from you and to respond. Um, As always, we love it if you can go onto iTunes and leave us either a rating or a review or both Um, engagement, right? Uh, The more the conversation can keep going, it invites others to the conversation. So I'd love it if you could do it that as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for continuing to show up to this topic with me. Um, I hope this is just the continuation of a long and fruitful conversation together. I'll see you next time.